0: We continue in John's Gospel at chapter 21 with verse 15 through 19 at page 89 of the New Testament section of your pew Bibles. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you used to fasten your own belt to go wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. He said this to indicate the kind of death by which he would glorify God. After this, he said to him, Follow me. We celebrate the written word of Scripture. We celebrate the living word, Christ among us. Please join me in prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. A Lutheran pastor in Chicago writes that churches have spent millions attempting to cater to the young families in the communities. Come here, bring your kids. We have a replica-sized Noah's Ark with real, live animals. We have a coffee shop that sells pumpkin spice lattes, cup holders in the chairs, and state-of-the-art acoustics. Now, this writer confesses, as a millennial mom, That she knows families indeed like this stuff, especially the lattes. (laughs) But what we really want, she writes, what we really need might not cost a thing. She restarted a mom's group that had met at her church a while back. At first, she wanted wanted it to be Christian with a capital C. She made tongue-in-cheek flyers with a black-and-white photo of a crying baby holding a Bible, and called it Babies and Bibles. It never really took off. <laughs> she said she was in the process of giving it all up when one day as she drove to church, God spoke to her. Why are you holding this at church? God asked. It should be at your house. Now, as usual, God made a lot of sense. Our homes have more places to sit right there by the toys. They have space for nursing and a kitchen where you can share coffee and snacks. You don't have to work around the church calendar. In this Chicago pastor's case, it made sense to open the group to her own neighborhood, which just happened to be full of new babies. She remembered how a group of new moms that had been meeting for classes at a hospital after her son was born had transitioned to meeting in homes. Not only did this group save money, it turned their group from a casual, occasional bunch of overprotective new mothers into an intimately connected group of friends. At root, she writes, what we most needed as moms didn't cost a thing. We didn't need another class about baby dentistry or reading to your two-week-old. What we most needed was each other. So Bibles and babies would be held at her house, except she changed the name. She named it after the street that wrapped around her neighborhood in order to welcome moms of other faiths or no faith. She says that as a pastor who loves Jesus deeply, this was counterintuitive. Everything we do has to be about Jesus, right? But, she writes, sometimes being about Jesus starts with his grace Rather than his name. Grace is exactly where we meet Jesus on the beach this morning. The disciples seem to have decided to go back to their old life as fishermen, and mysteriously, Jesus shows up on the shore and points out that they might do better if they fish on the other side of the boat. They take his advice, not knowing who he is at this point. Much to their surprise, they catch so many fish that they can barely haul them into the boat. An abundance of fish. It's as though Jesus is saying, remember this? Remember the joy and abundance and grace of life in the kingdom of God? Well, Maybe this does jog their memories because they recognize him. They hurry back to the beach where Jesus has a fire going. He invites them to share a breakfast of bread and fish. He feeds them. And then he asks Peter three times whether he loves him. Three times. Imagine if someone you care about asked whether you really love him or her, not once, not twice, but three times. Understandably, Peter is hurt by this repetition. Biblical scholars interpret Jesus' three questions as an echo and a reversal of the night that he was arrested. That night, also by a charcoal fire, Peter denied three times that he had anything to do with Jesus. What strikes me, however, is how Jesus in this scene offers Peter What many contemporary psychologists contend every one of us needs, what that pastor in Chicago figured out that we need families, older folks, kids, every one of us, and that's a sense of belonging and a sense of purpose. We all need a sense of belonging. We all need to feel accepted by a larger group in order to have a stable identity and sense of self. We might think that our identity, of our identity, is something that we create or claim for ourselves in our individualistic culture, but it turns out that the gift of identity is given to us by those around us as we see ourselves through the eyes of those closest to us. And just so we're not confused, belonging is different from fitting in. In fact, it's the exact opposite, as many of us will remember from adolescence. Fitting in is changing yourself to be acceptable to the group, whereas belonging is when you're acceptable just as you are. We all need to belong. Here on the beach, Jesus is drawing Peter back into belonging, back into a community that accepts him for whom he is, Peter needs another invitation, an invitation to participate in sharing the good news of the abundance of God's kingdom. He needs the reminder that the events leading up to the crucifixion didn't change that. He also needs, as we all do, a sense of purpose, the belief that what we do matters, that if we did not show up, people would notice. Purpose, as it turns out, is one of the great motivators of this world. More powerful than money or fame or power, believing that you have something of value to contribute draws us again and again into challenging circumstances with joy. And so in response to each of Peter's confessions, Jesus gives him good work to do. Feed my sheep, be a leader, look out for these others, devote yourself to this community, help create and continue the community that Jesus started to do his work. Peter is reminded that he's part of the community of the faithful and given a sense of belonging, and then he is given good work to do and given a purpose. Feed my sheep, said Jesus. Create for my flock that sense of belonging and sense of purpose that they knew with me. Now he certainly intended this for Peter, who by the time John's gospel was written had already emerged as one of the strongest leaders in what was becoming the church. But as I said to the children, it is also the task of each of the disciples. Feed my sheep. And while worship and sermons on Sunday feed people in one way, Sunday morning tends not to be the way we draw people into community, the way we give them a sense of belonging and purpose and make each person feel valuable to the whole. I don't think it's any accident that Jesus had this challenging conversation with Peter after they'd finished breakfast, after they'd shared a meal, When you share a meal with people, you get to know them. We experienced this here during the rest shelter. (coughs) Sorry for the microphone. During the homeless shelter we hosted on Friday nights for nine years. We've experienced this in small group dinners that Martha Wall organizes. I can't thank Martha Wall enough If you don't know about the small group dinners, you should watch for the announcements to sign up. I'm going to take my mic off for a second. (coughs) Recovering from a cold. The small group dinners are one of the best vehicles we have for offering a sense of community and belonging that breaks through the anonymity of worship and even coffee hour. And we experienced it this weekend at the annual Women's Retreat. Uh, Besides the meals at the retreat, where we enjoy uh, getting to know you, casual conversations, the retreat, like our officers' retreat, almost always involves small group work. As one of the retreat organizers said, Thank you. I'm getting a cough drop here. This is wonderful. <laughs> As one of the retreat organizers said, uh, every year she learns something new about people she's known for years. The re- retreat topic this year was words to live by. Now, that's uh, perfectly vague enough to let people wander where they need to wander. And In one of my small groups, we were supposed to be talking about words to live by from scripture or faith, that speak to us. And one person said that while people like me, preachers, deal with scripture all the time and so are familiar with it, she didn't feel as though the words of our faith were nearly as meaningful to her as the actions of our faith. Actions like working at the rest shelter or making the prayer shawls for people who need tangible evidence of God's love and presence uh, in the midst of grief or illness. Another woman said she agreed with that and that it was actually the words from hymns that stuck with her more than words from scripture. She described how the words from the hymn, It Is Well With My Soul, came to her at the moment that her beloved husband died. That vulnerability allowed another person in our circle to open up about her deep grief at a recent loss. She expressed both her pain and her gratitude at having a place to share that. And another woman offered the wisdom of Maya Angelou. There is no greater agony than bearing an untold story. Now those are some words to live by. The five women in the small group affirmed that we'd sat down as relative strangers... But when time was called to go back to the larger group, we felt like sisters or soulmates. Not only did we have a sense of belonging, but we discovered a purpose. Being there for each other in processing grief, in healing, in relieving the agony of an untold story, in communicating whatever your story, you are not alone. In a church like ours, filled with activists, offering so many opportunities to do, to act, to feel a sense of purpose, it might be less obvious or harder to find the ways we offer a sense of belonging. But when it comes to Jesus' instruction to feed my sheep and his call to follow him, It is no less important, and it isn't either or. In fact, people need community. They need support, encouragement, a place to share sorrows and celebrations in order to keep on keeping on with the good work that God gives us to do. The Christian Church started in believers' homes in Greece, Palestine, Rome, and Turkey. People of all backgrounds gathered together and shared a meal. They told each other about their lives, their hopes, their dreams, and their fears. It was radical then, and it's radical now. Feed my sheep, says Jesus. The one who calls us to love our neighbors as ourselves, knows that people are hard to hate close up. So we are called to move in. Those are words to live by too. May it be so for you and for me. Amen.